Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'm joined by my co-host and brother from another mother, Corey BMTG. What is up, bro? Oh, God, not much, man. I am just doing so good, so happy to be your brother from another mother, and (laughs) even happier to be your co-host. I know my mother is also happy about that. Wow, I wasn't that bad of a child, but actually that's probably pretty accurate. (laughs) So, just so you all know that this podcast can be found on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, so go give a follow on any of those platforms to get weekly updates on the Bash Bros Podcast. Now, today we are going to be talking about Historic. We just had some some shakeups on that. So, uh, you know, we wanted to bring in uh, an Historic uh, expert. So we mm. found Brian Brundoon, who is the, actually the leading expert on historic. He is. That we were able to find for this podcast. Oh, Welcome, okay. Brian yes. Brundoon, to the <laughs> podcast. How's it going? Great, great, Brad Nelson. You mind if I call you Brad? I, I just want to say thank you so much for bringing me in as the special guest for this show. Uh, you know, I've been I've been working hard. Uh, and, and and my mother always said, you know, like work hard and maybe it'll eventually pay off for you. Maybe not, but maybe. Wow. And it, it does feel that this is kind of a payoff here, you know, just getting a chance to be on an exclusive podcast like this. Um, I know you don't just throw special guests around like candy. Of course and, uh, <laughs> and, and to do so in an expert role on historic format that I've spent countless minutes working on oh Uh, it's just really been uh it's it's really something else i just want to say um i've been brewing up some decks in preparation for this cast oh that's Uh, awesome yeah the the first one i'm working on a golos deck oh Um, 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 with uh with field of the dead no, no, no. This 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 week, Phil and Dad got banned from the format. Dad, I don't know if you were Whoa. up to date on that. I yeah. miss. I must have missed. I okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's bad, uh, Brian. <laughs> it's, that's that's all right. I got I got some other decks here. I've been working okay. on a um a uh, Luca Fires of Invention deck. Oh, uh, Brian, yeah, you're speaking my uh, language, but that yeah, deck you're, is you're, also banned. It's cheats and agent of treachery. Oh, no, you're two for two there. Um, actually, uh, three cards. Actually, three for three. Three cards have been banned from Luca Fire Strategies. Actually, in the last month or two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Well, then my third deck is definitely going to be good. It's uh, it's actually a straight teamer wreck. Like you know why? No, Brian, reclamation is banned too. That that got banned a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Are you right, guys yeah. shitting me right now? No, no, no. Wilderness Reclamation is uh, is banned in in the format of Historic. Yes, Brian. Are I you thought w- you said you spent minutes on this format. You clearly have not. What the hell is it? everything is just banned? I guess I just have to settle for Esper Hero. <laughs> I mean, oh, God. I've got some I've got some bad news for you, Brian. Um, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to fairy a time reveler has been also banned. Yeah, and Hero of Precinct One is suspended. Okay, that one's not true, but Teferi Time Raveler is banned, Brian. Um, guys, I gotta get in a phone call, actually. Um, <laughs> Was it your mom giving you more very vague life advice? Yeah, actually it is. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, those decks are not good, but we do have some decks that are good. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah. Uh, can we talk about those? I guess I don't <laughs> no, know. We, we will. We will. Uh, just just for your sake. I mean, we don't want to. 
We don't want to say you're not the leading expert on historic that was able to get on the cast, uh, but we will we will walk you through the historic format here soon. Now, before we get into what's been uh, highly played in the last few days, I do want to highlight a few top results from this last uh, weekend. Uh, as most of you know, and if you don't, uh, we are the official podcast of MTG Melee, a tournament software uh, website that hosts uh, many awesome tournaments that a lot of us, especially during social distancing, are able to play in. And a few big ones were this past weekend, uh, kicking it off the Red Bull Untapped 2020 International Qualifier 6. Now, this is a tournament anyone in the world can play in. Um, first place gets to qualify for the $75,000 finals. Um, that We've been running these tournaments for months now. And, and this actually, one was actually in our time zone, right? Didn't you even play, it, bro? I played around and dropped because I played really badly and tilted off and just dropped and did other work. And I was very mad and ashamed at myself. And it's not that I'm not competitive. It's that I fucked up and was really pissed at myself. And I just tilt dropped. And I don't know what that means. I uh, oh, that means hashtag wash, bro. Yeah. It does. It yeah. does. It, um, and then, and then, and then I climbed to twelfth ranked with that deck later that day. Nice, um, nice. But, uh, and then I lost more exploring historic, but whatever. I think I'm like th 300 or something. Not but bad. Actually, not bad. That's was, cute. I'm it, 30th, but sure, sure. Nice. <laughs> it, it was the Rebel Tournament was won by. I'm bronze three. Played, <laughs> nice, you're bronze three. Perfect. You sick up. Uh, you sick up. <laughs> no, this this is actually awesome. So um, the Red Bull on tap this this tournament. The top two, the finalists, both have weird connections to the SCG Tour Online events. Um, yep. The tournament was won by Michael Bondi playing Rakdos Agro. Now this is a this is kind of a Rakdos sacrifice strategy that is a little bit more aggressive. Ever since. Um, you know, Cauldron Familiar got banned from Standard, but it still plays a lot of like the sacrifice elements. Is it the Rankle uh, version or? Did... It has some Rankles in okay. it. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. And it's got like a Bolsa Citadel and mm -hmm. it's pretty much the list that uh, we've been seeing like Marcio Cavallo and Javier Dominguez playing. Yeah. Um, and Michael took that down, but beating, uh, uh, but, but Michael took down last week's SCG championship qualifier winner alexander gordon brown who was about to go back to back winning with effectively the same list of sultai ramp that alexander popularized the week prior yeah which is just proving what we called out last weekend that alexander gordon brown is indeed a well-crafted human <laughs> yes. you know well i mean thought out human. a well thought out human we finally <laughs> called our shot for once brian on the bash bros podcast but there's here. there's no humans in the deck though how is that even a thing <laughs> It's, this deck is says Sultai Ramp, but it should be green, blue, and black, well-crafted humans. Yeah, so. yeah. That 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 deckless name didn't fit in MTG Melee. Brad hasn't uh, updated that one quite yet for us. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so, no, that so is impressive, though, to go back to back. Yeah, yeah almost back to back. Impressive. With that pretty, you know, sick list, you know, the, the focusing on sharks and brazen bars and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I mean, Alexander just clearly has, has kind of peg the metagame here um but um, i would i would understand that it would be worse against the rakdos decks than maybe the more stock sultis that was running a bunch of extinction events and stuff but still congrats to both of them that's awesome yeah without going too much into the deck list i kind of just want to throw out the uh reiterate from last week's like podcast that building around your deck around maximizing your euro is like probably the best way to do it and yeah. this 
kind of shell appears to be the best way to build a neuro deck just from team Iraq and also from Zoltai ramp mm-hmm. seems to be yep. the, the, the kind of shell that succeeds the most with Uro. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and, but uh, also I just want to say what connects Michael to it is Michael actually was the first four for any of the, the standard qualifiers. So the first one that SCG ran many months ago, Michael Bondi was the first four winner. The first person to qualify for a uh, championship qualifier. I mean, how many months ago, like three now, God, a, a year and a half, I think. I, I don't know. Time's yeah. an illusion at this point. <laughs> 84 years. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so congratulations to both of them, Alexander, for the back-to-back great finishes and Michael for qualifying for the grand finals. Mm. That'll be uh, played later this year. And then and for he XO'd. He XO'd. He, he didn't lose a match. He, nope. he drew and, twice, which is pretty sick. Yeah, and, and Alexander only lost to Michael twice, once on day one and once on day two in the finals. Um, so that's really cool. Now, over on the SCG side of things, there was a the the fourth championship qualifier. Yep. Uh, I, know, I know you played in this. Um, mm-hmm. But so the winner of this tournament was Brandon Hansard. Sorry for butchering your last name, uh, Brandon. <laughs> but uh, with Mono Green Agro, Cedric Phillips special. Bang, uh, bang, bang, yeah. Mono Green coming back strong. Yeah, beating Ari Lax in the finals, playing Sultai Rams. Now Ari pl- is not getting into this blue bullshit. At he does, he, I, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but Ari <laughs> is not getting into this like not playing removal spells main and playing yeah. all the blue cards for the mirrors. And and Ari, you know, put his money where his mouth is and made it all the way there, beating a lot of Sultai Ram to get there. Yeah. and just saying, hey, the making game one so good for the mirror isn't worth the cost. I mean, and then still lost to Monogreen in the finals. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, as as and one then does. This new, this new up-and-comer took third place that I do want to recognize in the SCG. <laughs> uh, just a hard, long-time grinder. No results to show up. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I just want to congratulate this new up-and-comer, Ross Merriam. Yeah, oh, first time top their, eight or... Their, their third place finish <laughs> in, in the SCG Championship qualifier. Merriam, is, 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 is that like the dictionary or something? Like, what's the mm. I, I don't know, but okay. it, it would make sense if you knew Ross. Um. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. yeah, that's about right. Yeah, someone from BCW finally uh, helping out here. And so far, the other two members of BCW that have top aided these SCG events have both done what I could not do. Advance past the, the quarterfinals. <laughs> yeah, you have four quarterfinal appearances in the championship qualifiers and 0 today. And 4 baby. Oh, yeah. and 4 <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so now we can actually, uh, you know, congratulations to everyone except for Ross Merriam. Mm. And, yes, and now we can actually move to our main topic. All right. So the main topic for this episode is uh, the historic format and pretty much... Uh, What's happened since Monday? Uh, it's only been like three days, but I've been playing. I know you have. We've been watching streamers. If you look on Twitch, um, countless streams. Uh, the top streams are all playing historic. There's thousands of people. A lot of good streamers. A lot of good players are working hard at figuring out this format. And it's really taken over the arena spotlight, right? Like yeah. standard is slowing down. We're, we're getting really close to a rotation. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, there's not even a Star City Games tournament this weekend because it's like, why try to do standard stuff until, you know, get, you know, just whatever. We're just, we're just going to be playing some historic for a week and getting ready, especially with the Mythic Invitational coming up. That is yep. uh, two weeks away, actually. Man, time is flying. God, that's crazy. Yeah, that thing's coming up quick. 
Yeah, in two weeks, we'll have the Mythic Invitational, and that's going to be the historic format. I know that Brian and I are qualified, and you'll be on the coverage team, which is awesome. Sure will, yep. Absolutely stoked to uh, be running it back and hopefully uh, see you guys on coverage a little bit more than last time. I would also like that. (laughs) (laughs) The Bash Bros Podcast is proudly sponsored by BCW Supplies. BCW offers great products at an even better price. From their Elite 2 sleeves to the DeckBot line, you're sure to get an amazing product. I've been using their sleeves and deck boxes for the last year, and let me tell you, bro, their durability is unparalleled. Well, if you're interested in trying them out yourselves, you can go to bcwsupplies.com and order today. BCW Supplies. Protect. Store. Display. Slogans. Marketing. Magic. Wow. So before, like, this format has been getting a lot of shakeups to where, like, it's not even easy to say, you know, to tell you what the format looked like previously. Like, Soltai Ramp was clearly uh, becoming the best deck. It was, you know. With Field of the Dead, yeah. And with Field of the Dead, our devastation, Thoughtseize, it had, it had you know, Explore and Growth Spiral, <laughs> good <laughs> removal spells, uh, just all around a, a really just well-tuned, deck right off the bat it was winning a lot of the tournaments that were on mtg melee yeah and um it was just it was just doing so well um and even like the 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 strategies like um one of the counter strategies to this villa dead strategy was a rakdos deck that used its own graveyard but played ashiok so that it would in the main deck three mana ashiok so you could mess with your opponent's graveyards mill over your own and stop from searching that's in, in such a small period of time from the banning of Reclamation and the introduction of Amonkhet, mm-hmm. uh, there was already a metagame to where one of the top decks just main deck Ashiok as a hate piece. And that's like, holy shit, that's a degenerate format if that's happening. Yeah, to, that, to, that be fair, to be fair, that's not necessarily, um, you know, a new thing. Modern has been doing this quite a bit just because Ashiok flipping over your own Uros with all fetch lands and stuff like that. That that was already seeing main deck play then. But that but you can't compare it. it's apples and oranges because that is a fetch land format. That and 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 we're talking about Uro. Like this is this is a week of historic on arena. Yeah. That the, there's a an ent- a Rakdos deck entirely comprised about milling itself and negating the opponent's ability to cast to our devastation. To search, yeah, of course it of course it had you know the one specific deck in our mind. Promise, excuse me. Our promise, yeah, of course it had the one deck in mind as its main thing, but it, it is just good in the deck as an enabler for your for yourself. Um, and I mean, a lot of decks were playing search outlets and stuff too. Uh, even fabled passage in in a lot of decks. So yeah, I, of course that is pretty wild that it is figured out that fast that one deck is so targeted. But you know it's not completely a new thing. Um, you know in Magic the last few years. Uh, uh, of course, I'm not. I'm not saying. Yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying that like when I saw that it was a shocking. It was one week and it was already like it felt like the format was already that inbred. Yeah. And and honestly, I'm so glad Field got banned just because this mythic invitational would have just been which version of Field of the Dead ramp decks are you playing? You know, and that would have been the big talking point and the big discussion that you guys would have in testing and that I would be, you know, talking about I mean, constantly. I- <laughs> I don't know, bro. You're an optimist, and I don't know where Brian stands on this as our leading expert that we could get on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but 
I would not count the chickens before they hatch because one, two weeks is a long time. Yeah. And we very well could all be like, you know, which version of feather or auras or rectos <laughs> or green, like, oh, yeah. Or oh, citadel. Yeah. Like, like that could happen. And oh, then, it and definitely that, could. And that's yeah. what we're going to talk about today. So we're going yeah. to be going through a lot of the archetypes that people are playing and exploring, talk about the things that we like or dislike about them. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, we'll try to give the best advice as possible i it's too early for me to to say with any any um assurance that this is the right thing to be doing right now but i Agreed. am I, yeah. I can say like things that i've been enjoying and and how they make me feel so i say we kick it off to the deck that you've been liking the most okay. um and then we'll go from there because I played around with this deck and it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've been playing just mono green ramp. Uh, someone in my Discord just shared a list that was pretty close to this. Um, I made a few changes and I've still been updating it a little bit, mostly with just uh, wish targets, but I'm just playing mono green with Karn the Great Creator and Vivian to open up your sideboard. You still get to play Leyline of Abundance, which was, you know, banned in Pioneer for being too good in these green devotion decks. Now, the, the huge hit you have from those well, is you don't have Nyxthos, you know? Yeah, but, real quick, yeah. before before I, you get ahead of yourself, I just want to stop you and um, explain a little bit more about the deck. So this is a, a deck that has Nyssa, Vivian, and Karn as Planeswalkers, along with, you know, you can play a few more, but these are the big hitters. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's a Leyline of uh, Abundance. Uh, and then the deck just plays Man Acceleration. Um, mm -hmm. The cards that, are, that I've seen in every list are... Uh, Lanowar Elves, Lanowar Visionary, Gilded Goose, Paradise Druid, and then I've seen a swath between uh, Explore, the, uh, Elder Gargaroth, well, that Wolf kind of Wave, stuff too. Wolfwave and Haven, Explore, or Mindstone as the yeah. uh, the two drop, and then but that's that's effectively the main deck. Now the sideboard has a lot of tar wish targets because both Karn and Vivian can go get a bunch of wish targets. And then, you know, I've been seeing lists that have a, like 15 card sideboards. I feel like I personally don't know what I want to put in it, but I feel like that's going to come down to like 10 and you're going to have some actual sideboard targets. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Now, I wonder why are you why are you playing Wolf uh, Haven instead of another creature there? Is that um i like reason. which which creature do you want like incubation druid or uh, it, it's just a lack of maybe knowing but wolf willow haven is pretty nice at just costing one whenever you kind of play <laughs> a second spell with it you know strapping it on a forest and then playing a visionary or something um so i i like that aspect but it it probably is one of the weaker cards in the deck for sure well it's, i mean it just doesn't I mean, maybe I'm missing the interaction here, but it just doesn't work with Leyline of Abundance, right? Like, No, it doesn't. But um, so. it does work with it if it is a Nissa land. Right. But <laughs> Nissa, Nissa lands plus Leyline of Abundance were already kind of busted. So Yeah. No, I mean, I could see that being, and, and I have thought about Incubation Druid, just adding counters with Leyline of Abundance or Vivian um, to be able to add three mana uh, and stuff like that. I thought it's kind of cute, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess mostly just I've been winning with it so much that I didn't feel like it needed something to be changed, but I, I could see that slot being something else. I will sure. say that yeah. it is really cool that, um, you know, looking at a lot of these deck lists, which we haven't gotten to them yet, but mm -hmm. th there's a lot of graveyard synergies, a lot of decks trying to abuse the graveyard and yeah. 
Uh, being able to accelerate into Karn the Great Creator, which can then find you Tormod's Crypt or Grafdigger's Cage. Yeah. Um, or even like Sorcerer's Spyglass, I guess, can sometimes be perform a similar role. Uh, it does seem like a really powerful engine. Like, I don't know if yeah. Mono Green Ramp is the best shell for that kind of stuff, but uh, Karn the Great Creator just does seem very powerful for that reason. Yeah, it's unreal, honestly. I, I have been dominating. I'm like, I've been top 50 on the ladder for a long time, like over the over the weekend, because I've playing. i been playing this deck before Field was even banned, and it actually had a pretty good matchup against it because you just have silver bullets for basically every matchup, and the one for Field decks was just a Chroma's Memorial. Like, they just really couldn't beat that. You always have your Karn target where you, like, go for God Pharaoh statue first to slow them down, but then, yeah, against a certain matchups, you just have these bullets like you play against this azorius auras deck and uh you search a platinum angel and they cannot win with their post board or main deck configuration at all you know just with how the lists have been and and there's just little things like that like the rakdos decks the way they're configured you land cage they're done you know it, it it's pretty fun to just always have a very very good card for whatever matchup you play so so um, a couple things that I see when I see these lists. So mm-hmm. a few people play like Verocious Hydra. I see that you are not including them. And again, yeah, I'll be posting. I it. Yeah. For, for everyone that is, has access to our Discord, you can get that by becoming a patron and supporting the podcast. I will be posting um, uh, all of the deck lists that we discussed today in in a thread. There's a, there's a channel for that. Just so okay. if you want to follow along uh, with this, you can also see what we're seeing. Um, yeah uh as well but i i just so so there's two things of note for this um mm-hmm. i just think that the the wolf waven haven or whatever incubation druid slot should just be mindstone because one of the things that i think when i see a ramp deck is flooding yeah uh, and i want my acceleration but i also don't want to flood and yes that is vulnerable to some removal spells and and it won't it doesn't synergize with leyline or nissa but like if I have Leyline or Nissa in play, they're usually just doing the work anyway. Okay. Um, and you know, I, I don't need that extra thing, but also just digging for additional threats and stuff like that. So I definitely want to start playing some Mind Stones in that slot and see if that's any good. Yeah, I think it's worth a shot. Um, you know, the wolves very rarely have been good, but there's been times where I sack a wolf negative negative on Vivian to like finish off an Ugin or something like that. But yeah, they they have been pretty medium. Then the, the the next thing that I'll, I'll have to say about this is mm-hmm. um, when when I see a deck like this, and I played with this a little bit, your your older deck list, not the yeah. one with the, that still had the Hydras. I uh, I played against Control a few times, and while I won both matchups, it did feel tenuous. It felt like uh, it could have it could have went either way. It's kind of difficult because of like you know I had turn two Vivian, <laughs> like, you know, or turn two card. You can get that like they can't counter it unless they have spell pairs. Like yeah, you can you can get them really hard that way. But if you don't have those draws, I just want to make room for like three Carnage Tyrants for any Grixis or Control. And yes, they can kill that, but like it's Carnage Tyrant. Like yeah, I, I just I want to make room for that card and just have a like fuck them strategy against any big aggressive decks. Yeah, I love um, that. And if, I love and if that. we have some room, like there's cards that people are playing in the sideboards that I just don't think we need access to. Yeah, and there's even some cards that if you're looking at the list uh, now, 
for anybody who's listening, there's stuff I'm playing with, you know, like a set sane petitioner, questing bees, shifting ceratops, even Tormod's crypts, you know, I mean, there's some stuff that it, that is kind of weak and that has wiggle room, but this is just where I'm at right now, you know? It's also incredibly important to get Carnage Tyrant in the deck for another reason that I, I would even say is even more important than Brad's reason, which okay. is that um, I, I, I once played a deck that I called Carnival Carnage, and it played the card uh, Carnival Carnage, but it also played Karn, so you can oh. spell Carnage with a K. Mm. Um, and if you have Carnage Tyrant in your deck, you can you can call your deck like something Carnage. You know? Wow! Wow! That's just. That's definitely potential. Yeah, that's value you, right there. You, uh, <laughs> you really, you really screwed this up, Brian. Did I? Yes, because you, the joke should have been Carnival Carnage, and it should have, you know, you're implying that you're playing the card Carnival Carnage, but you should have said that played Carnival Hellsteed and Carnage Tyrant. Okay, yeah, mm, I'm sorry. Amateur hour. I thought you were a historic yeah. expert here, Brian. Oh, that wasn't standard. Oh, of course, of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, one last thing on Mono Green, I have been uh, just absolutely dominating people. But this is the time uh, in Historic that I think it is much better to play something really proactive just because so many people are trying some stuff out. So I'm getting free wins against decks that are not fully established yet. So I could easily see this deck uh, being way worse when a good control deck uh, does pop up. Because I've... I, I still have yet to lose to a blue-eyed control deck, but I have had moments where I've been struggling with it. Well, um, that's why you yeah. want to sideboard a little bit, and that's why Carnage yeah. Tyrant can really help. Like, yeah. like they, they hold up counter spells for your Planeswalkers, and you just slam a big threat, and then they wrath you, and then you play your Planeswalker. Like, yeah. that's why Carnage Tyrant's in those decks to begin with, is because you have to you have to create that that thing where they have to tap out and you get to land your stuff so that you end up with something and they end up with a counter spell in hand. That's that's what that interaction, that's how you want the game to play out. Mm -hmm. But to get to that point, you need to play something that resolves into open mana. Yeah, um, yeah. And and right now, the only thing that does that just built into the deck is just Leyline and Mana Creatures. You just keep beefing them up until they respond to that, and then you drop a Planeswalker. But, you know, it depends it on how long time. that takes. It does give them time, so then they could go Wrath with Dovin's Veto up post-board or whatever, and then you're mm -hmm. just dead. Um, but, you know, if you can hustle out two creatures, three creatures with a ley line in play, you're, you know, on turn three, turn four, you're activating that thing. And that's a scary clock already. Yep. Yeah. All right. So so moving on, this is the deck that I've been playing the most. Uh, and we'll get to all the heavy hitters that people have been playing. Don't you worry. Oh, I'm um, worried. I, I've been I've been playing a uh, very similar to a list that Canister has been working on of, uh, I'm calling it Rakdos Midrange. Now, I do a lot of deck naming for for uh, MTG Melee, and, and I don't really, like, it's not a sacrifice deck. It's not, you know, it's not uh, like a young Pyromancer completely deck. I, I don't know, like, yeah. maybe it's just Rakdos Luros, and maybe nah. that's what people want to call it. But Definitely not, Rakdos Midrange, yeah. So, so no, I don't think it's midrange at all. It, it doesn't. It's 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 not a. It doesn't look like a mid range deck. It looks like a. I mean, it looks like a Mardu Pyromancer deck. You know, it looks like that style of yeah, deck. Yeah, Rakdos like, Pyromancer. I guess I could. Do yeah, that, like it, yeah. It, it's it's a. I mean, it's an Arcanist Pyromancer deck. It's it's kind of like a Delver style deck, right? Like yeah. in a weird way. 
I mean, once somebody tells me what the name is, the great thing about uh, Melee is I can just switch the name and all the data stays the same. I actually so like I can... calling it Imported Deck 79. I think that's yeah. a, the, real, <laughs> the real title for it. Yeah. Nah, dude, that is so wrong. It's like Imported Deck 69 or bust, so. Nice, nice. That's a soul tie deck. <laughs> I don't even have names for my decks anymore. I just know what numbers they are. Wow. What? Yeah. Well, who are you? But anyway, so this deck is um, based around Stitcher Supplier, Dreadboard Archidist, Young Pyromancer, and Kroxa. Um, that is the the creature base. It has it has Lurus as the companion, um, and then the spells uh, encompassing around that is uh, Shock, Abraid, Bedevil as you know interaction, Thoughtseize as just one of the best cards in the format. Yeah, um, and then Claim to Fame to help out with like doing a lot of cool things. And then it has village rights and um, another interactive spell is cling to dust. Now cling to dust is at first made me like, Oh, well what's that for? And it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. it's really good in the mirrors. It's good at dealing with Uro. It's good at having just a cantrip that you can, that, that lets you trigger your own pyromancers or cast off of your arcanists. Yeah. Um, it's good in the, you know, at stopping. It's just a good card. It, it's yeah. just a good card. The floor is so high on that card. Cause you get to cycle it for one black anyways. And I mean, the ceiling on it is just outrageous. If you have some long games with that, escaping that two or three times, you look back at what that card did and it's just, it's really insane. Yeah. And so it's flood so, protection too. So when I started playing this deck, um, I didn't know how the games would play out. And then I found out they play out in a lot of different ways. And what's very interesting is the deck doesn't really <laughs> have to have any specific game plan because you can beat them with like removal spells, young pyromancer. And then you, when you make a token, you just village rights for technically for free, right? You sack mm-hmm. a token, make a token. You have you have these like absurd draws of like Thoughtseize your removal spells, play an Arcanist, then Thoughtseize you again on your like interactive spell. Mm-hmm. And so you're, it's like you get that Snapcaster Mage fill off of your Arcanist and Thoughtseize stopped their interactive spell. You also have these weird like Stitcher Supplier games where you Stitcher Supplier into one of your creatures. You claim that back. You can fame it. Um, fame doesn't get cast as much as I thought it would. You also just have these Kroxas where they come back super early. I've, I've had like these games where it's like Thoughtseize, Stitcher Supplier, Claim, and then all of a sudden I have a Kroxa um, coming back on turn four and I've Thoughtseize them, you know, yeah. like... Yeah, I, I like my favorite secret, sorry to interrupt you, bro, like is just, you know, Thoughtseize into Young Pyromancer into just Kroxa with Village Rights to sack uh, Kroxa, you know, when it's already going to be sacrificed. I love that interaction. It is so dirty. Yeah, oh, this, yeah. this deck yeah. looks, looks incredibly cool. Like, I... Uh, yeah, like I, to me, this is like this is a mid range deck in the way that a modern deck would be a mid range deck, mm-hmm. but not really, yep. in the, not really in the context of like how we th- think of mid range in terms of like standard or maybe even historic. But yeah, yeah, this deck, this deck just looks like a modern deck, and it, it like to me, this is an, an incredibly appealing deck to play. Um, the only thing that I wish was that there were more like cards like Stitcher Supplier in the deck, you know, yeah. like yeah, but yeah, Stitcher it, Supplier is just unbelievable. There's also different ways that this deck gets built. Um, and I like this version more, and that's why I'm playing it. But there is a version of it that doesn't play Kling or Shock or Braid or Bedevil. And instead, it plays Claim uh, claim the Firstborn and um, Priest of Forgotten Gods. Mm. Uh, and then it also plays like a Phyrexian Tower. So that also works with, you know, your, your Claim the Firstborns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And so that strategy, the reason I dislike that one over this one is um, I like the interaction and it's not that easy to keep a priest in play, but priest also with claim and fame can also do some damage. Yeah, and uh, priest you with really... young pyromancer is pretty disgusting too. Yeah, but yeah. they, you know, they just, it feels like this version is going to interact a little bit better with different decks and um, it has a lot of good things. And the cool thing about this is it kind of checks a lot of boxes after cyborg too. And right now, um, you know, my cyborg is a little for the mirror match and, um, you know, I've got a couple duress. Innocent Blood's good against any of the aura strategies. Um, and mm, then yep. I, I'm I'm worried about, so Cage is easy to deal with, right? You have a Braid, you have a Devil, you have a uh, Cyborg and Angress Rampages. That that you can deal with. But Rest in Peace kind of colds the deck. Mm. And I've kind of got this affinity for an old an oldie but a goodie BBD, if you see it in the Cyborg. Uh, that is Pack Rat, where mm. if you're a Rest in Peace control deck, I just want to go Thoughtseize, Duresses, and Pack Rat them. What, is, what, what does Pack Rat do? So Pakrat is a colorless black star star creature. Okay. And it, it checks the amount of, uh, is it pack rats or rats? I think it's pack rats, right? It's, it's rats because it's Mutavault charge. Oh, because of Mutavault, yeah. yeah. And so it's power and toughness equal number of the rats you control. And so if you just played it on turn two, it is it is a 1-1. One, one. But it has this unique ability of two colorless black, discard a card, create a pack rat token. Create a token of this creature. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you make a token, now you have two two twos. You make another token, now you have uh, three three threes, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if people are playing Rest in Peace and counter spells like a control deck, what are they gonna do? They're gonna have some targeted removal, but they probably rely on counter spells and sweepers and Rest in Pieces in that matchup. They will have some targeted, but so if you're able to go like Duress or Thoughtseize, take their interactive spell, leave them with the Rest in Peace, whatever, uh, and then start making pack rats. If you get another interactive spell off, maybe on turn four, uh, you might just kill them really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It kind of sounds like a limited card to me. I, I don't think it has any legs. It constructed. Yeah. Like, you, you might win your pre-release with it, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be. Deep, but that's, that, that is a deep joke. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, no, I, I do no, gotta yeah. say, I do gotta say, I, I like your list a lot better. I've probably played against this uh, deck. Uh, I don't know, like three or four times, and I'm yet to lose a game, but that's because just Karn for Cage, when I've just only been playing mono green, basically. Uh, Corey, have you lost a game with any deck? <laughs> no, whenever I switched, I lose a lot of games, okay. to be honest. That's why I keep coming back to mono green. I, I've tried other things, and I just get destroyed with them, so I'm just coming back to mono green. But I, I like that your list actually has answers for Cage game one. And I just think Bedevil is is a really strong thing to be having um, in the main deck. Just an oh, unconditional and, removal spell. And, yeah. and again, this, this, this isn't my deck list. This is, I, I have swapped maybe five cards around from mm -hmm. from Canister's build. So this the yeah. Canister gets all the credit for this. I, I just started testing a few days ago. And so um, I'm just playing around with a lot of decks people are giving me and making a few little tuning tuning things. And and I, I will mean, continue to do that. Yeah. yeah, that's how it is just in Magic in general. A lot of the small choices you make can have huge impacts when you're playing against the metagame. I mean, you can just you can really say that the bedevils and the details on that kind of stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love it. I, I love that one. Um, all right, so the next big archetype that... Um, I, I have a fear that could be one of the best in the format, and that is 
uh, Golgari slash Jun Citadel strategies. Now, yeah. um, they all have a little twist to them, but effectively, for anyone that doesn't know, um, these decks are going to play three to four Bolus of Citadels, four Collected Companies. They're going to play Gilded Goose and, and Lanowar Elves, probably Paradise Druid, Woe Strider, and um, Blood Artist. And so... Uh, with with Frexian Tower, you can get turn three bolsters and it else pretty easily. You can get turn two collected companies. Um, mm. But the combo is that if you have a Woe Strider and a a Blood Artist in play, uh, along with the Bolsa Citadel, it's it's almost it's really difficult to brick yeah. um, and not kill them that turn because you keep putting creature cards into play that cost you life, but. Uh, anytime you hit a land on top, you can sacrifice one of your excess creatures that's not the Woe Strider or the Blood Artist, and that'll let you put that land on the bottom of your library and drain them for one. Yeah. And so it's like just really difficult to not hit a critical mass and win the game on that turn. So Woe Strider really is the the key piece for this archetype. And you know, before in standard, like you kind of let the Woe Striders live, mm-hmm. but but because of the fact that Blood Artist is the kill and it's way leaner because of cards like Collect Company and, and more, um, you know, Bastion of Remembrance also could be part of this. Yeah. Um, it's really hard for them to brick. Now, there are two versions of Golgari, one that uh, plays War Visionaries and Priest of Forgotten Gods and and does effectively does not play the Explore package. And the other version plays very similar build, but finds room for Wild Growth Walker, Jade Light Ranger, and Murfolk Branch Walker. This is the Explore package that we all, you know, known and I loved a couple years ago. Yeah, it just doesn't seem good enough. And it gives you a lot of life yeah. and makes your Bulls of Citadels not hit as hard. Yeah. Uh, hurt as much. Um, but yeah, I, I played around with it and found that it it didn't it didn't feel like it was as good and also um it didn't alleviate the problems like if my opponent had cage in play that package wasn't helping me yeah uh, this this list does look pretty damn cold uh to cage like you got three brontodons and a veraska in the board um but well, yeah this, this this is like a few days old it's just a mock list for us to look at yeah it's like croaky's initial list of this mm-hmm. um and I just wanted, you know, for a frame of reference, these decks are going to be, uh, you know, evolved. I do think that this is the strategy that has the most potential of if we have to say, oh, my God, something's broken. It feels like a collected company Bulls of Citadel deck is that. Yeah. 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 And that's that's why I like uh, what you were saying earlier, bro, about just like the versions for that Rakdos deck that like play Shock. Like Shock just looks phenomenal against this deck, and you know Shock is great against Mono Green. Sh- Shock just seems really, really strong in this format, uh, a lot more than the clunky two drop creatures would be. Oh yeah, I played this yeah. matchup a few times, and I kind of went circles around them. I have Hand Disruption. I have yeah. even if they resolve the Bolsa Citadel, they can only get one card off it because of a Braid or Bedevil being held up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was it was pretty gross actually. I was just like, if you get a few turns, if they don't have like a super aggressive Bolsa Citadel, you get a few turns to set up, and all of a sudden, you, their hand is empty. They're playing off the top, and yep. you know you have some card advantage built into your deck because. Like Dread, Dreadhorde Arcanist along with Village Rights, make sure that you kind of get to restock too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've struggled against this deck actually. I, I, I think it is quite strong. I think it's yeah, a very this, good deck. This Golgari deck looks looks really 
uh, powerful to me as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it also looks like it has a lot of room to grow in terms of uh, card choices. It it Mm -hmm. looks like a very rough list, but a very powerful strategy. Yeah, Um, I'm I'm in agreement that the the explore package does not appeal to me at all in a deck like this. I'd much rather be playing um, like things that ramp me or things that contribute directly to uh, like the the woe strider blood artist kind of engine of the deck so yeah and I, in, in particular this card doesn't contribute to collected company or any of that kind of stuff but frasco golari queen seems like a slam dunk in this kind of deck if people are go if leaning on rest in peace and uh graph diggers cage to fight decks like this plus it's also a card advantage slash sacrifice outlet on its own so yeah another, it seems another... way better than bastion of remembrance to me to have just like two of Veraska in the main yeah yeah another another um pretty messed up card after cyborg two to make sure you have answers for like Veraska if you played it in main over the bastions or whatever um hushbringer out of the oridex is actually devastating against the strategy because it stops things coming in and out of play from triggering mm. and so you you don't really like you have to you have to answer it or you can't combo them. Now you can like get ten tournaments and sack them and deal ten um if that's lethal, but yeah. it's usually not from the Oridex. So Aura, like I played I played a few times that matchup and it was frustrating for me because um I would do all my cool things and then they'd have a hushbringer and it just like it stopped me cold. Um, or even if they just like just, you know, boggled it up and and strapped up a life linking creature. Uh, it seems pretty tough to win as well. I, I bet that's just a bad matchup for this deck. Yeah, it's even it, though it's, I think it's kind of a bad deck that the well, Aura's it, deck, but it's particularly worse too because like Priest is a lot weaker against them now because of uh, Cartouche of I think Solidarity. Yep. Uh, now one, that yep. they get the Cartouches, now they just get these extra one-one bodies to to as they're cycling through their deck and drawing cards off of their. Hit you auras and also their uh, their spirit dancers. Yeah, uh, and they, they already had a lot of one drops. You know, the selfless savior, the as lead or whatever. You know, they just have a lot I'll of one drops. Yeah. I'll see it. Yeah, yeah. So so that's 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 also adds and plays into it. Um, so you definitely have to have removal against them, but it's not you can't be too slow or the aura creature will kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that's that's one thing I've I've struggled with winning with these decks. But I found them to, I feel like they have the most potential. Mm. Uh, but I keep losing because, like, your deck has four bowls of Citadels in the main deck, and the aggressive decks all are Ember Cleave strategies. And then the other decks have Cyborg Hate. And so, like, trying to find the right configuration, it has been very annoying, and mm-hmm. I don't have one yet. And that just might mean that the deck isn't consistent enough because you are a deck that are playing a lot of random cards together to try to make things work right like you can just draw gilded goose jade light ranger blood artist like that's yeah yeah it's not that strong it's pretty awkward and honestly i i feel like that has to be around the amount of non-creature spells to be able to make collect a company like really effective like 10 10 feels like a lot 10 non-creatures that's 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 roughly the the um, yeah, this is about where you have to be. I don't remember how many we played in like... It was just like Dramoka's Commands and Collected Companies for like Bant there, Humans there and was stuff, right? Or... Command too. Oh, okay. And yeah, probably higher, was around And there time. was also higher land counts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think Coco Dex and Standard played roughly around 24 to 26, if I remember correctly. Okay, it's, okay. Uh, but you also casted a whole lot more because you were hitting Jace's and Jace was... Yeah, know, yeah, that's true, that's true. 
But yeah. so moving on, I mean, we have John Sacrifice. This is very similar, and we're not going to get into it because it's the same strategy. Bulls is Citadel yeah. Collect Company, but the the issue is you play Red so that you can play Culture Familiar and Witches Oven, mm-hmm. um, and Mayhem Devil. But for the most part, like these aren't that great. I mean, like this is a little bit of an older list of this deck too that I have posted up here. Uh, yeah. But that's you know I don't I think people are moving away from it because the mana is cleaner and in, in two color and. Um, you just want the mana acceleration. It's way better to just accelerate. Yeah, I, I don't think the red edition is too great. You know, I mean, it, it leans even more into Gust, where the green-black one actually is. It, it's pretty awkward if you bring in Gust against that list, you know? Yeah, but, th- this deck yeah. to me is a is a standard deck in Historic. Yeah, yep. exactly. It has, it's, that, like, yeah. it's slapping four Cocos onto a standard deck in Historic. Yeah, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love this strategy, and uh, you know, desperately want to be playing some sort of cool Bulls of Citadel deck. But yeah. to me, this this feels like it's you know what I just said, and, mm-hmm. and could use. There's probably a way to make that this a deck like this incredibly powerful, and I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, wait a week until new cards get added, and I'm sure something busted will be in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So next up, we're going to get into uh, just discussing more, uh, not really specific on cards. Um, we're going to talk about the defensively mid-range slanting all the way to control. Now, I'm talking about the Soltidex, the Bants, the Blue Whites, the Espers, even the Espers that play Yorion. Mm, um, yep. These are the strategies that are trying to control the metagame and or just be a mid-range deck i saw like oliver two playing a Sultai deck it looked interesting i started playing with it i felt like it was just bad it felt like a bad standard deck it was yep. it felt like a standard deck ported to be historic whereas when i played Rakdos, it felt like a modern deck being forced to play a few bad cards because it's historic right yeah yeah and, yeah and, it's, and, it's... And... oh go ahead bro Oh, no, you can go. And I was like, okay. and while I like the idea of having the hand disruption and the green cards, it just felt like very, I had schizophrenic draws against every matchup. Yeah, honestly, for me too, I was really, really excited when Field got banned to like be starting to try to play like Teferi Hero of Dominaria decks in blue-white, play some Uro piles here because, you know, everyone is saying Field of the Dead is just completely strangleholding control. And while that is true, true control is still running into the problem that we've seen for however long you know and it's that whenever you're playing control in a very wide open format it's really hard to have the right amount of answers all the time and we even have unconditional cards like maelstrom pulse and it still doesn't feel like you always have the right answers so i think while the format is just this wide open this wild westy that uh, it still feels really hard to play control. And I'm with you. I've not had success with any of these. I've tried a little bit of all of them. I tried an Esper Doom Pact, uh, you know, kind of Blink style deck. I played Blue White. I played, you know, the rest. And I I just don't really think it's there yet. If the metagame condenses more for this Mythic Invitational and there becomes like a pillar of three decks that people play, then maybe we'll have a good control deck that targets them. But right now, I just don't think it's it's a smart call. It's also harder to get these decks right. Um, yeah. Not agreed. even just about pinging, pegging the metagame, which is really important for playing these kinds of decks, but also mm-hmm. just figuring out which cards are actually good in the deck and which cards are su- superfluous. Because there's always a hundred cards you could put in your control deck and it's like but you can only play 60 or yeah. 80 if you're playing Yorian, i guess but 
you know, you know what I mean? But it's like, who knows which ones are actually good enough to see play. And it takes some amount of play and just finally being like, okay, like I've been putting these thought erasures in my deck for weeks now and they suck. Like, yeah. And that's not immediately obvious of what cards are actually power level appropriate for historic or not in these kinds of decks. And just how much removal, how much counter magic, how much hand disruption if you're playing black. Like, there's just so many variables that it's kind of impossible to know right now. I mean, and and that's what we see. We see them fumbling around a ton and, you know, having cry against a gruel deck where they're going way bigger than two twos and, and random shit like that, you know? Yeah, it, it's just too Wild West, it's too open. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see this often where a format needs to consolidate and needs to stop trying everything. Because even if there's a deck that can't be, if a deck pops up that can't even beat the other proactive strategies that's also proactive, mm-hmm. it'll eventually get weeded out. But it, it still exists this first week because people need to figure that out. And the control deck just gets blindsided by it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's we just have to wait until a lot, you know, survival of the fittest will happen. Certain proactive strategies will, will leave. The other ones will, will solidify. People will start playing them because they want to win more because they're better. Mm-hmm. And that's the point where the, the control deck knows what interaction it needs, knows the best ways to gain card advantage, yeah. and knows what best finisher it should use. And at that point, then they can start working on the numbers. But right now it's like completely up in the air. Yeah, yeah, and you really have to guess a control shell that almost has to be proactive. You know, like I, I've had success with control decks in the past, you know, like blue-white control when um, Throne of Eldraine came out, but that's because I was basically tap-out style. Like I was playing Dream Trawlers, Elspeth Conger's Death, all these Planeswalkers, and I think something like that has a higher chance of being good right out of the gates. But that's usually in standard and like, sl- like five sets, six sets standard. Like we're talking yeah. about a format that has how many sets you know when it gets to that like you you don't look at modern and you're like oh look at my tap out control deck <laughs> like you're like oh look yeah. at my modern my, my tap out <laughs> or like combo control deck that plays urza and, and has a combo finish but, but brad that's yeah. how you look at modern you're like look at my just guy control deck and we're like Ugh. <laughs> um, yeah sadly the, the days know. of just guy control are done but that deck was good for that year i put zero testing in i took uh Nikolic's uh list how many times yep yep uh and and I had like a 72% win percentage so I'm I played six six times right uh and and they gave me a perfect cyborg guide I never tested it I went 72% I feel very good about that one yeah, five I did and really one. well with uh, that deck too it was good one one five and one. Oh, one thing I want to say is uh <laughs> uh yeah, to me it that was is blue white control. I know, I'm just giving you shit. Uh <laughs> one thing I want to say is that uh it's hard for me to imagine that there's not a mid-range deck based around Uro and or a control deck based around Teferi, Narset, you know, whatever, like that kind of stuff that isn't going to eventually be good in the format. Yeah. So I I don't want to like just say like, oh, like these decks are just going to always suck in historic or whatever. Like, like, um, Uro is just such a powerful card that there's, there's almost certainly going to be a deck that plays it. And same with Teferi. Like, yeah, I assume they will take over the format, but I just don't know which week. And, Mm -hmm. and and when, and how it's going to look and stuff like that. But I I just want to say, it's like, I, I wouldn't say like, Oh yeah, these cards are going to suck. It's just Teferi has been a dominant force in standard, and uh, like was was really good in uh, 
uh, modern even too for a while. So it's mm-hmm. like it's hard to imagine that that's not going to be a big player in this format. And then Uros kind of speaks for itself at this point. So yeah, totally agree. It just comes down to. Uh, you know, when the metagame is this wide open, it's really hard to find the cast and crew of Uro and Teferi that matches up well thing. against everything. He said he the said thing, the yeah. yeah. Is, that, is, that <laughs> subtle, is that not unsubtle foreshadowing or what? It sure is. It sure <laughs> is. So the next deck to talk about, I don't even I don't even why I put it on the list because I'm testing with Javier Dominguez and I don't want him to hear this, but uh, it's Gruel. Gruel finds a way to win no matter what, no matter how bad the decklists look. Yeah. Uh, just Lanor Elves, Pell Collector, Questing Beast, a bunch of things in between, and then Embercleave. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's powerful. And I mean, like, Bone Crusher Giant's kind of a stupid magic card. It's very, very good. It's like, it's it's about as good as a card like that could ever get. Like,. I mean, it's it's just it's perfect. Um, Wh- which card is this? Bone Crusher Giant. Bone Crusher. Okay, yeah. I, I yeah, just I mean, did it, not it, hear what you it said. It still has its matchups where it's absolutely heinous. Whenever Stomp is good, the card is busted. Yeah, but even yeah, still it's a but four Stomp three. But Stomp is good can, right now a lot. You it's know? a four three. You can play on turn two in this deck like that. Yeah, there's no yeah. matchup that that's going to be a bad thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um and. And, I mean, it might not be the best thing you could do, but that's probably just because you're in a, an inherently bad matchup. Mm. If, uh, but, you know, these decks are real. They're here. They're going to prey on people um, that aren't, uh, you know, doing what they need to do at the speed that they need to in this format. So, yeah. you know, th- these are the reality check, mat. Like, this and Mono Red and Goblins are what I consider the reality check decks right now. Um now, Goblins, I don't even know if it's a good deck. I, I think it seems underpowered and kind of bad. When uh, I thought it was a good deck, you know, and we're talking about the stock 20, like, you know, uh, 9-4 ofs, 24 lands. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just revolves around Muxus. And yeah. there are versions that play white, so they can play the Mothra. And there's versions that play green or or black or whatever for Thoughtseas or what have you. But for the most part, it's just try to kill them when you cast a Muxus. Um, yeah. And I honestly just don't think that these decks are that good, even though I want them to be. I don't know if you guys have any opinions on them. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think the whole Muxus hype train was very, very similar to the Gyruda hype train in Standard, where it did really well week one because people didn't have it on their radar. And then they're just like, oh, yeah. It costs six mana. So I have plenty of things that I can set up to deal with a six drop that has to resolve to get its trigger. Um, Now, the one thing I will say about goblins is a lot of aggro decks will go like, you know, one drop, two drop, three drop, and then they'll get wrath and then they're basically done, right? Uh, not, Not really the same with goblins because it has such like a robust late game. So I do think it's better in that regard, but I, I think... You know, plain and simple, it's it's a six mana spell. That's their scary spell. Everything else is very, very weak powered creatures. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not a big believer, and I think people have found ways to uh, deal with it now. Mm-hmm. And like Cage to, is great against Muxes too, and that card's everywhere. And, and to talk about Gruel for a hot second, when I the first thing I did when I saw this list was immediately my eyes went to the mana base, and I was like, oh, they get two dual lands instead of one. They only have to <laughs> yeah. play. 11 basics instead of 15 like yeah, in yeah. your in your uh, questing beast ember cleave deck 
Yeah, and so. it doesn't have to be a temple anymore. So, I mean, that that is a huge upgrade, that's for sure. But, yeah, Gruul's yeah. mana base is still pretty rough. Yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah. They, they, they do get tough because, like, that is that is one thing that's frustrating about uh, the Llanowar Elves mana bases for multicolor decks, especially trying to cast Embercleave, is you need, like, these decks don't run enough uh, lands to cast Llanowar Elves on turn one. And... And also need to have enough lands to cast like early Embercleave. So the mana sometimes is a big issue if there's not a, a way to in, like fix it. Mm -hmm. There's also just the inherent awkwardness that comes from a deck that plays Llanowar Elves and then plays a bunch of haste creatures and Pelt Collector. And it's like, like Llanowar Elves and Pelt Collector don't really look like they mix that well. And Llanowar Elves and a bunch of two-drop haste creatures don't really mix that well. Not saying that Llanowar Elves is a bad card in this deck. It's probably very good, especially on turn one. But yeah. just the deck itself seems to lack a little bit of the kind of uh, power plus all the cards working in synergy that these decks usually need to yeah, be you, great. You clearly yeah. never uh, played this deck when it had Burning Trims there because turn one Llanowar Elves into... Hell Collector Burning Tree Zerta was just filthy. Yeah. <laughs> so and I, I have nine power on turn two. Play your second land. <laughs> one thing I will say about Llanowar Elf and Pell Collector, as awkward as it may be, is Gruul looks a hell of a lot different when it doesn't play one of those cards on turn one. That's for sure. Oh, no, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that Llanowar Elves is bad. Uh, yeah. It's an incredibly powerful card. I'm just saying that like a deck that looks like that, it's hard for me to imagine it being a great deck. Like you're yeah. gonna draw your Llanowar Elves on turn five, or you know you're gonna have two Forest, a Hash Up Oasis, and a Llanowar Elf in your opening hand, and you know. Yeah, it's not the most synergistic deck, really. There is some synergies within it, but yeah, it it, it does have some just awkwardness if you look at it. That's for sure. I mean, I think the same thing when I look at mono red decks, like. There, there's a lot of different ways that these mono red decks are cut up. They, you know, they play Lava Runner, Soul Scar Mage, Vishino Pyromancer, Light Up the Stage, uh, and then a bunch of burn spells. That's really good. I mean, some lists play Rampaging Ferocidon or Hazaret or Experimental Frenzy or more burn spells or Grim Lava Mancer. There's a lot of options, a lot of ways that these mono red decks are cut up. But when I when I see them compared to the what we're already seeing as the most powerful historic decks, I don't think they line up that well, and um, and I think that's just because like these are the reality checks. They're they're fine. I think goblins, mono red, and gruel are all good during mm -hmm. these periods. One of them probably will survive. Um, whatever you want to call this exploration period of the format. Yeah, and I don't know which one it would be. If I had to guess, I would say mono red. Same. Uh, Mm -hmm. But but like um, right now, they're just reality checks. If you go too far off the deep end, if you're trying to level and like I'm going to control these control decks with a bunch of card advantage and all this stuff, then your the Soul Scar Mage and, and Burn Spells are just going to light you up. Would uh, you say if they get into an arms race? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> okay, okay. I was just giving ourselves a flashback from last week. It's more of a metagame race than an arms race to sure, some extent. Sure. But yeah, I, I think uh Yeah, I think when you look at the power level of these decks, they, they seem to be a little bit lower than the power level of some of the earlier decks that we were talking about. And yeah. I, I do fully expect that some sort of red deck will mono red uh or green red or you know yeah. goblins or something. So, some sort some sort of deck in that arena is going to be a prominent deck in the format, but 
when you yeah just on power level alone it seems a little low and yeah to go off of what we were saying about the other decks like some of the synergies aren't just straight there it seems like you know and it's that's no knock on people building these decks it's just the cards maybe just don't exist in historic to to have the most like fluid mm-hmm. deck so. mm-hmm. Yeah. So the last two decks to talk about are our tempo strategies. There's Mono Blue Tempo and Simic Flash that are both uh, getting played. Now, Mono Blue Tempo just went 4-0 in a tournament on MTG Melee. Uh, this is uh, very similar to what you would have considered that, like, Autumn won um, the Pro Tour with, uh, the, or the Mythic Myth MC1, I guess, for the branding. Yeah. Uh, you know, Curious Obsession, now it has the Octopus, that uh, the C uh, Dasher, and uh, both of those with a bunch of pirates. The deck has twelve pirates, so you get to play Lookout um, Dispersal as a good counterspell. Also, a bunch of flyers, so you get to play Lofty Denial. So the cards have changed a little bit. Brazen yeah. Bars in there. I think Lofty most- Denial is a phenomenal Magic card, though. I, I think that was a great addition to these decks. Just oh, a, yeah. It's a powerful counterspell, that's for sure. These are also decks that are going to put people in check. Uh, the control yeah. decks, the tempo, these are actually been very good. I've been playing with Mono Blue and had good success. Um, a lot of my wins feel like I'm just kind of like cheesing people out, though. It's like, yeah. it's like they're... It's like, uh, you know, people are just exploring the formats and having fun with things, and I just roll up with, with this deck where I'm just like, all right, I'll draw two cards each turn, counter your thing, bounce your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, I'm cheesing them out. And the same thing with Crokies and Danny T. Law, who have been trying to popularize just one honest. One, one point uh, before you go on Mono Blue. Yeah. The one thing uh, about Mono Blue, I've played it as well. I really think it is not going to be a big player in the format just because I think the matchups are so polarizing. Like, you put that uh, Rakdos deck up against this in a, you know, a 20 game set like there's no way mono blue is coming out you put it up against red like they might have some good sideboard tools or whatever but it's probably going to get destroyed um and then you put it up against control and mono blue is going to dominate you know so it has these matchups that's really really good and then matchups that are just heinous and you feel so lucky if you win yeah i could buy that completely like i think tempo strategies often don't control a format they just show Mm -hmm. up at the right times yeah. And and if control decks start to move in the direction, which honestly, I think they will, is uh, just like people playing Shark Typhoons again, because I, I it always takes people a while to just realize that that card's just good. You know, like it's making its way into modern. It's making its way into Pioneer. Um, and I, I just think those that is just a perfect card for all control decks. And I think all the control decks will eventually just play that card. Yeah, yeah, I don't think decks like this generally dominate formats, but they do do a good job of keeping certain decks in check. Um, yeah. And a lot of the decks that were supposed to be kept in check by these kinds of decks just had Teferi in the past, but now that Tef- now that you can't... Three mana Teferi, Time Reveler. Mm-hmm. Now that you can't play that card, once again, like these decks will be quite good at keeping those kinds of slow combo decks or control decks or whatever in check. So Yeah, agreed. Now the last deck I want to talk about today, it's mostly it's it's all it's the same as Mono Blue. It's probably not going to. It might stay because of one powerful interaction. It's it's a uh, Simic flash deck that Crokies and Danny T Law have been working on, and it's for one interaction because I you know I like Nissa right, and now that Phil the mm-hmm. Dead's gone, that Nissa might be able to be in this format. But what if we're able to ramp into it with Lana Rolves and Gross Spiral? 
and also protect it for the turn with a pact of negation. Yeah. Ooh-wee. That <laughs> sounds disturbing to me. Absolutely filthy. Just being able to use pact of negation as a proactive card with Nissa, get the untap, maybe use a brazen bower, maybe have another counter spell at that point. Mm -hmm. um, tap most of your mana, but your Nissa's gonna untap. You're gonna, you know, you, you should be able to live through the pact turn as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know that the, the, to me that seems disturbingly good. Uh, now they've been playing like four frilled mystics and four night packs. Like I don't know about these numbers. I don't know about the numbers, but I would start at you know Lanor elves, gross spiral, Nissa, and pact negation, and then build my shell around that. Yeah, pact negation is one card I wanted to get your guys' opinion on because I think that card has the possibility to just be unreal good in the right in the right shell and it's a card that i'm always really really afraid of i just always think like they tap out for uro or whatever and if they have a pact for my planeswalker that i was going to go get something to deal with uro not a chance i could win you know so that's a card i'm really afraid of what do you guys think of that one i think that's a hard one to evaluate for me i think generally pact negation is quite weak um yeah I, it, it is a very powerful card in terms of what it does. Like a zero, a zero mana counter spell is 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 incredibly powerful. But um, I, I've just generally found that the card is really hard to make work uh, in a non combo deck. Like just in practice, basically. Okay. Yeah. And even in combo decks, I, I usually it isn't very good. Like the like ad nauseum is kind of the one exception of a deck that uses pact of negation. Yeah. Well, and that's large also largely in part because of cards like Angel's Grace. So mm -hmm. I do I do think that, like you said, Uros, Night Packs, Nissas, these are green cards that have giant tempo boosts if they survive. Yeah. yeah. And so like pact to protect them makes a lot of sense to me. No, I, I think pack. I, I think this looks like a really good pack deck, and it's, it's strange to me because usually a fair deck with pack negation just isn't a thing. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm in. A, I'm in agreement. Like that, that looks really cool to me. Like, but you gotta yeah. look at packed as you know a five mana, sometimes five mana with an asterisk. Uh, you know, converted mana cost card, and sometimes that's just way too slow against decks. You know, so it, it's something you never want to really have in your opening hand, which doesn't feel like cards I usually want to include in my deck. Whenever I draw something right away and it's just like, oh God, not a pact, you know? Oh, like yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if it's good. I'm not even, I'm not writing off on this. Um, yeah, yeah. But if, I, if I, I did see it and I was like, holy shit, like, you know, a free counter spell to protect my like turn four Nissa. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, you know, you already have the mana to pay for it. Like if everything goes bad. Yeah. Um, and it would switch, you know, like if, if you pack to protect it and don't have something to do with like a breeding pool to, to protect it again and then pay for it, then, you know, things can go poorly for you. Yeah. If they're able to answer the Nissa and, and if they answer the land and the Nissa, then you're dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting because I've just never really seen packed in mid range decks. It's just amulet and uh, ad nauseum. And, you know, these are just combo decks backing up. Uh, with that so it, it's so weird for me to see and so hard to evaluate yeah usually you don't see usually cards like packs uh don't end up in decks like this because you get into situations where you're drawing pact of negations you're drawing land War elves and stuff later in the game mm -hmm. um and 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 you lack like it's fine to draw those cards and and even good to draw those cards if you have an engine going where you're drawing a lot of cards and stuff 
Um, but when you're getting into like top deck battles or the game's really tight, like those generally aren't the kind of kinds of cards you, you always want to draw. Yeah. And or if you're behind on board, you don't want to draw Pact Negation. But uh this deck just because of how obscenely powerful specifically like Nissa and Uro and stuff are, it could be good enough. Like Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that is it for um, for the decks for for this week that we talked about. I mean, obviously, Historic is going to be on our mind, so we'll probably uh, revisit this format next week unless, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a different format has a big upheaval of bannings or new sets. I don't know if there's any on the docket, but... Yeah, who knows? Who yeah, knows? Who knew, there who could knows? be a new Historic set that they're adding over the weekend for all we know, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, we do have to get to our cast and crew, and that is uh, for everyone that uh, supports the podcast at a certain tier. Thank you so much for the cast and crew and all of that support. You can become part of our cast and crew by going to patreon.com slash bash podcast and supporting us. Um, and thank you so much for everyone that does at any tier. Uh, but before we get there, I do want to talk about a few of the upcoming events that you can find on MTG Melee. Uh, this Saturday, we've got Manifix.net plus the Lotus Esports Standard Open. This is a free tournament that you'll find Saturday morning, along with the MTG Arena Zone Historic Open. That is also uh, Saturday morning, but that is historic. Two awesome uh, TOs that have been running a lot of tournaments on MTG Melee. Take a look at their communities communities, and see if you like what they're doing. Uh, also, another community that does a lot of cool things. Uh, a good friend of all of ours, too, Pascal Maynard, alongside the Mythic Society, is running their Arena Community Cup um, that's historic with $1,500 in prizes. That'll be Sunday morning, Ooh. so you can go take a look at that. All three of these links will be found in the description, so if you are listening to this on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, take a look at the show notes descriptions, and you'll find these links in there. I might have to go walk the walk and uh, play some mono green in one of these events without an SCG event this weekend. That sounds yeah, kind of fun. Yeah, they're both they're both awesome. Um, take yeah. a look at them, and... Uh, yeah, Mythic Society also runs a lot of cool events. They run this set roulette where they random six sets in standard, and then they pretty much you build a block deck based on those six sets or standard. Yeah, those are crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they they get into some wild formats. They do that I think once a month. So nice, nice. Yeah, but all three uh, all three are great organizers. So hopefully uh, you find one of those events that you like to play in this weekend and go have a blast. But that brings us to our cast and crew. Woo, my favorite part. This is this is becoming my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, I've this, never, I mean, I've never been a part of this before, and I'm excited. You know? Yeah, first time uh, listener. You already talked about what we talked about last week. Or oh, were you saying it as a listener? Oh, of course, I listen to the podcast. This is such a prestigious institution in the magic community. I would be a fool not to. <laughs> okay, that's better. That's better, Mr. Brian Brondoon. Thank and you. Everyone listening should tell all their friends exactly that. Yes. And if you have something horrific to say about the podcast, which I couldn't imagine why you would, but no. if somehow you did, uh, don't tell it to us. <laughs> tell that <laughs> well, tell it to Shaheen. I mean, okay, there we yeah. go. Yeah, all right, let's get into it. <laughs> all right. So first off, we've got Wapa, who is my personal barista. I gotta say, I uh, I cheated on you, Wapa, today. I, I'm sipping on some uh, Starbucks. Ugh. Ice coffee oh, right now. Wow, disgust. you've sold out. You've Dis- sold out. You disgust me. Unreal. Yeah. All right, our next member of our cast and crew was gracious enough to message me on Twitter and say Wait, that no, I can just call him Max. Uh, 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 no. no. Excuse me? Did you not see this message? No, well, you said yeah. he messaged you personally. Yeah. 
Yeah, he did. And then I showed it to you guys. We saw the message, but I don't agree with what's happening here. Oh, I'm sorry. Max is my linguistic coach. And uh, let me tell you, I have never been felt more alive that I didn't have to say Max's first and last name because it is a doozy. And, you know, I, I, I need help with my linguistics enough. Uh, so thanks for helping me out on that, Max. Appreciate I, you. I do not approve of the uh, of you of you switching the name on that one. Anyway, mm. uh, next up we have Ad Ham, who is our ghostwriter. Uh, little known fact: we don't actually write our podcasts. That's Ad Ham, uh, <laughs> unless it's really bad. Uh, sorry, we sorry. Uh, I said that the wrong way. We do Adam, write. Why our did own. you write that? We did. <laughs> yeah, why did you write that in, Adam? I'm just reading off a teleprompter. That is horrific. Uh, and I don't know why I'm berating you from the teleprompter that you wrote yourself. That's so. Just why are you berating weird. yourself, Adam? Really? Yeah, stop yeah. hitting yourself. Um, this is getting out of control. That's all I got to say. All right. All well, right. We, we better we better take what just happened and take it to David Watt, who is our special guest screener, because uh, I don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, I, I do, actually. I do you have got some, some explainings to I've do, I've got David. some special insight into this, and from what I can understand, the process is uh, flawless, actually. <laughs> seems like it. Seems yeah. like it. Next up, we got Gino Batista, and this is the special guest, but just doesn't have time to make it on the show. And uh, this week's reason <laughs> is they just didn't want to uh, well, let yeah, us know. So, so, so Gino, last week we didn't give the reason, and Gino's like, "Hey, that's kind of offensive." Um, yeah, you should yeah. tell people why they they might assume, and you know what happens when people assume mm, President yes. Trump gets elected. There you um, go. Yeah, so it's <laughs> like you know we we can't have this happen. So please tell tell everyone the reason why I'm not able to be on the show each week. And yeah. what is that reason, Corey? And this this reason uh, that Gino let us know, a uh, very good reason this time. Not gonna lie, they just didn't want to. Um, you know, thought the yeah. cast and the subject was lame and didn't want to be a part of it. So Adham sent the whole uh, show over and Gino was just like, nope, no, thank you. Yeah, well, and then once we heard that from Gino, we have a, uh, a, a, a new a new cast and crew member, luckily for this, it's Patrick, who is our special guest rejection letter writer. Wow, this is getting so convoluted. Um, <laughs> the special guest rejection letter writer uh, who then wrote the rejection letter, you know, thanking Gino for considering their time, but, you know, still kind of, you know, said, you know, next time that you do want to, you know, please, please consider it. Adam, will you put less you knows into uh, that spot next time for us? That'd be appreciative. <laughs> how, how is how is it convoluted in, in the least bit? We have Adam ghostwriting our podcast to talk about David Wada, our special guest screener, who screens the next special guest who was supposed to be Gino Batista, but they thought it was lame and couldn't go. So then Patrick had to send him a rejection letter. It's all so clear. That is Why just you as clear as ABC, Brad. I mean, that is just ABC stuff right here. It's ABCD. Like, it's just four simple steps. It's so obvious. Oh, okay. God. Next, we have Sam Prudhomme, who is our BBP personal fitness trainer. And um, I actually injured myself on the job earlier today, so I'm going to have to be seeing Sam Prudhomme. Uh, we, we do a clap. We clap our hands together to sync up our audio feeds, and I actually injured myself on the clap. So That's actually uh, just true. 
Oh, wait, you guys are doing an audio. Are you guys recording right now? Uh, uh, good joke, Brad. Good joke. Great joke. But speaking of great jokes, here's one that's the opposite. Jer Majeldi is the assistant to the assistant Rena oh, regional this manager. Mine. This is mine. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, yeah. The teleprompter was wrong on this one. Okay, my yeah. So, so yeah. this is I get to introduce Jer this week. Of course, uh, my the bad. assistant to the assistant regional manager now. I got a message this week on Twitter. Uh, it's it's from a uh, credible and or not credible source. It is from a locked Twitter account. It's with, an with anonymous, anonymous, anonymous it was source. Anonymous, an anonymous <laughs> source uh, is saying that they uh, that it's Jer's fortieth birthday tomorrow on Friday. And oh. so, whether this is correct or not, much like our pronunciation of Jer's name, yes, we would like to, from the Bachelors podcast, wish you the happiest 40th birthday, Jer. I hope that you have uh, many, many more years and you are ha- happy and healthy in uh, whatever way you pronounce uh, your name. Uh, yeah. Uh, can you... Yeah, sorry. I just, uh, I, I just really uh, hope, I just really hope Jer is like actually just like a fourteen-year-old child or something. Guys, can we? Yeah. Uh, we only do the happy birthday thing to manager or hire. We don't actually do it to everyone. Oh, we don't do it to the region, oh. assistant regional yeah, managers. Oh. Man- manager, manager oh, up shit. only. Okay, oh, we yeah, we so. can edit that part out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 have to be. And it's, with extra work like that, we have the perfect person to come in and do it, and that is Keith Trojanowski, and that is our unpaid intern. Whenever extra work comes up like this, Keith always takes the extra work. But of course, uh, let us remind him: uh, does not get paid. Yeah. All right, next up we have uh, previously known as Phil, now Philippos Galanis, our Aspros pod- podcast liaison. Mm. Uh, sometimes, you know, we both, uh, sorry, both, all three of us leave very busy lives. And uh, a lot of that busyness comes from recording not only the Bash Bros podcast, but also the Aspros podcast. Yes. And wires get crossed. And and mm. Filippos Galanis is very integral into uncrossing those wires. So. Yeah, our shit gets complicated. That's for sure. All right, all right, all right, all right. I have to. I have to. We might have to pause this episode because Phil gave the full name of Filippos Galanis, and you didn't turn that into an anus pun. That's because I didn't want to. Like, uh, we're off the record right now, right? No, we're not. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So time ghoul is uh, <laughs> yes. uh, sorry, I mispronounced his name. Uh, you know what? I, you're right, Brad. I'm I'm really sorry. What came over me? I mispronounced his name. Uh let's get back. Astros podcast liaison, the wonderful Filippos Gol. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, why would you say such profanity on this podcast? That's I'm for the Astros so podcast. Sorry. We know I'm that. So sorry. Wow, that was good. All that right, was good. Next up, we've got Time Ghoul, who is BBD's resident personal massage therapist. How many people do we have on staff touching you? Like, like honestly. <laughs> and can somebody please turn off the darkness? It's just playing on loop and loop and loop. Uh, <laughs> They're yeah, one BBD. hit wonder song. Yeah. Baby, you got a lot of love, man, on these uh, cast and crews. And next up is another 
person that helps BBD out, and that is Paul. <laughs> One second here. Walls Daring Photographer. Paul, of course, just phenomenal work in our Discord. And we even saw Paul um, taking a nice picture of you just staring at someone with the last name Wall. I mean, yeah, that no. was some next level All stuff. Right, that right. was the best yet. Right, everyone, everyone <laughs> stop for a second. We're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to retake <coughs> Corey's from the top, Paul Kasrowski. We screwed it up, so Brian, if you could grab another soda. Uh, we that up. We gotta take that again. Okay, yeah, let's we're gonna redo it. it. We're gonna need some more sodas up in here. Fine. Who's the top? Who's the wall photographer? Paul it is Paul Cack. Oh my God. Yeah. That's the third Diet Pepsi I've cracked for this. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the Brad, third one I've cracked open too. for this podcast. Uh, oh God. I had four. I had. I had four in the holster. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. You're not gonna get me to crack the fourth one, but I came prepared with four diet Pepsis in the holster because wow. I knew shenanigans were going down. We are gonna need to uh, a, a DP GoFundMe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that might get some weird attention. That might be our next uh, our next cast and crew member is is our diet Pepsi GoFundMe organizer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Love it. So many options on which Diet Pepsi to drink. There's three of them. Uh, <laughs> All right. So next up, we got Lore Roar. Uh, so originally was our lore expert, but they let us know that English is their second language. They didn't feel uh, comfortable at the job of being the lore expert. And I want to say that at the Bash Bros podcast, uh, this is the first time that any of our cast and crew have ever had a single honest moment with any of us. And we felt true, that yeah. that was so meaningful and important to us to come clean and be honest that we actually promoted Laura Roar straight to CEO. Um, he now runs the Bash Bros podcast and everything related to it. So congratulations. Con- yeah, Laura. congrats, Laura Roar, on your uh, promotion from lore expert to CEO. Oh, oh just got an email. Uh, Corey, you are fired. Oh, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I'm surprised I made it this long. So. Uh, but Corey's, weirdly enough, Corey's linguistic coach has just got a raise. So <laughs> I don't know how that works out. But All right. So next up on the cast and crew, we got Jason Florent, who is uh, new to the cast and crew and also has quite an interesting job. I didn't know this was a profession, mm, but is Corey's arch nemesis. <laughs> now, why, why would... So every arch nemesis comes with a backstory, right? Like, yeah. wh- why why is there so much hate filled in Jason's heart for you? Yeah, I think it's mostly because of uh, good looks, skill, commitment, um, you know, just really, uh, really a lot of things that... Uh, you know, but I those guess are, uh, those are things that Jason has. Yeah, why, why, why would Jason be? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't finish. Why would the story. Jason hate you for qualities that I possess? I don't I get did, it. I <laughs> you guys didn't let me finish. It's because okay. he has those qualities. So I tried to break into his house thinking that was something I could steal. But he pressed charges. And all of a sudden now, you know, arch nemesis is a stretch because there's a restraining order out there wow. as well and yeah even, you uh, went really yeah. deep on this i think you should have yeah. just told the truth and just said that you beat the shit out of them every time you two play yeah same yeah, yeah. that you went know, deeper and darker than i was yeah you, I was went, to, you went so deep when you could have just said that you embarrass him on the battlefield every saturday 
I was trying to save Jason some face, but yeah, team of reclamation mirrors. I was giving them the people's elbow and, you know, so, you know, you got to hate, uh, you got to hate the game, not the player, but Jason went the other way on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I prefer so hating, up, uh, hating both, actually, is my preference. <laughs> oh, yeah, so. that's where you're at. So next up, we have somebody who is also hating both of their jobs, or at least the main one, and that is Spoon Tongue, which is BBD's body hair stylist. A really, really tough job. That was requested. We didn't, we didn't need that. Spoon Tongue was like, yo, I want yeah. this job. They're loving it. Another person that's just standing outside BBD's door waiting for their shift to touch you in some weird way. It must be a weird basement experience for you, BBD. Do you like to have your body hair styled before or after your massages? Mm. Um, I like it actually to go uh, massage first, body hair styling second, wall staring third. That's my preference. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You got to look good for your wall staring pictures. And so. feel good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> All right. Next up, we have Eric Nall, who is our overseas trash bros representative. Uh, our third podcast, not often talked about the trash bros podcast. Uh, we have Eric Nall overseas doing a lot of uh, great work uh, to, to spread the word of the podcast. Unfortunately for Eric, uh, there's no coming in or out of the country anymore. So we <laughs> sent him on this job. <laughs> And we'll probably never see him again. So yeah, highly yeah. unfortunate, but we love the work you're doing, Eric. So we are staying in touch through through via via email, you know, via the internet. But uh, yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry for sending you over there. I mean, we're not going to take any responsibility for for leaving Eric in, in another country. Well, like, we just did. Not. We apo- we apologized for it. Oh, we should. Oh wait, no. Uh, we were told by uh, we're not supposed to apologize for anything. Mm. That that mm. implies guilt. I mean, to be fair, Eric started as just a lonely, you know, trash can. And now all of a sudden he's gotten like 15 promotions. So become sentient. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric's probably doing just fine in wherever he is. He is a go getter. Yeah. Now, last but certainly not least is IPA for breakfast. Now, IPA for breakfast has been our bartender for quite some time. But Mm. sadly, and for good reason, (laughs) though, IPA for breakfast is leaving the cast and crew. And we would like to say from the from the BBP family, congratulations on the new child, the upcoming uh, child. And good luck with you and your family. We loved your support, but please continue listening and having fun with us. Yes. Uh, for many years to come. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, IPA for breakfast. Uh, really happy for you. And if you're going to leave the casting crew, it better be for a good reason like that instead of, you know, any other kind of reason. So great job. And it I just want to spend any reason. <laughs> it could be for literally any reason. And also, I just want to say not only am I a historic expert, I'm also a child rearing expert. Oh, and um, I, I want to say that, yeah, IPA for breakfast. Probably don't start giving the child IPAs until they're a little bit older, like three, four years old. Like, yeah. IPA for dinner, maybe lunch, but not breakfast. Yeah. I, IPAs on. are probably how he got into this situation to have another child. So, yeah. <laughs> that is uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for your support for, for so long. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, but thank you again, everyone, for the cast and crew. And again, if you would like to be part of that, you can do so by going to patreon.com and uh, supporting us today. That is it Woo! for the Bash Bros podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week. Oh, before we go, all of you that were in the cast and crew that stayed to listen, uh, be sure to check out on Patreon the 
Minisode is live, so you can go check out our Minisode. We did it on the Dunning-Kruger effect and how that applies to magic. It was a fun conversation. Yeah. I learned uh, a lot. Wait, I, you guys, I really learned a lot. Yeah, You guys yeah. did an autobiographical, <laughs> autobiography episode? That's interesting. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Oh, sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it, was a, it was a fun topic, though. I, I, I really enjoyed uh, talking with that one with you, bro. Yep, and we'll be back next week with another mini-sode and another episode. We'll see you then. Bye!